For almost two decades, Kevin Smith's been making movies. Now he wants to watch movies with you. On June 4th, Hulu proudly presents Spoilers, where movie lovers like yourself emerge from watching this summer's biggest blockbusters and give your two cents. Think Prometheus will smell like rotten eggs? Can the Dark Knight piss in the Avengers' Wheaties? There'll be special guests, Q&A, and a fuckload of movie love. Spoilers, a new Hulu original series coming June 4th. Yo, Chicago. Kevin Smith wants to break wind in your windy city at the Chicago Theater on June 14th. Listen, learn, and laugh as the king of the Q&A busts your gut while he busts a nut with stories of writing, directing, producing, podcasting, pooping, and more. Don't miss An Evening with Kevin Smith at the Chicago Theater on June 14th. Tickets for this and all Smodco shows at csmod.com. Hey, this is Jack Morrissey. Welcome to episode 33 of Team Jack. Today, Monday, the day after the MTV Movie Awards, um, I'm joined... You want your bar? I'm joined by Matt Cohen. And now, plus bar Matt Cohen. Plus metabolic drive bar. And our uh, former guest and old friend Ryan Brookhart, back again. Hello. Um, I'm having a bar. Everybody's we'll having a bar, except I already had my bar. Hold on. There you go. Listeners. I know. Mm, <laughs> cookies <it>. and cream. <laughs> cookies um, and cream, is that right? Or cookie dough? Cookie dough flavor. Pardon me. Which I'm only, I'm only too happy to give to you guys, as I much prefer chocolate chunk, yeah. for the record. Um, let's see. Ryan, you're on Twitter. I can't remember. No, still not on Twitter. No. No. That, that's, Maybe someday. That's going to change. Maybe someday. Yeah, change. yeah. Get your name. Get it where you can. Hold that shit close to Hello. Your, Is that well, better? Not that close. Not that close. Matt on Twitter at Camel Toad. Yep. Jack underscore Morrissey. Team underscore Jack. I like Just doing Camel all this Toad. shit up front. Oh, okay. So that everyone has to think about it. We're on Pinterest now. We're on Tumblr. We have an official Facebook page. We have a blog at teamjack.com. It's crazy. Wow. Moving on. Boilerplate. We're opening up an ice cream parlor. In we have a town an ice cream you. parlor. We have an 80s style pizzeria slash video arcade. You have a flavor, don't you, Jack? I do. I have a Ben and Jerry's test flavor. Right. Um, I'm not allowed to reveal yet right. the title it's of metabol- that flavor. It's metabolic cookie dough, basically. But there's dried cherries in it, I think. There is dried cherries in yeah. it. And let me just say that one of the words in the title is the opposite. Is is the word that you think about after you think of the word go? As in, you arrive and you go. We'll see if that lands. That might work better. That might work better uh, in space uh. than it did in the room. Anyway, what do we have to talk about? It's too soon for Comic Con, Ryan Brookhart. Is it? Is it? Is it ever too? Yeah, I guess Except so. Except there is an exclusive for the first time that I have some interest in. Which one? Which is QMX's animated Admiral Adama pre-painted statue in their line of. Is it? A, is it sort of a, a cartoony version? Yes. Okay. Did I send you that link? Yes. Okay. Probably. There you go. Um, from Battlestar Galactica, two thousand four, yeah. two thousand five, okay. whenever. My friend Joe Passmore now works at QMX. So. Well, do there I have go. to wait to Comic-Con to get my Comic-Con exclusive then? Maybe Or not. might I have it a little sooner? You may have it a little sooner. We'll Excellent. see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, have you already identified Comic-Con exclusives that you're interested in? Mm. Probably not, not one except for Bluefin is a distributor and they're bringing a Bandai atomic orange glow super articulated Godzilla figure. Interesting. To uh, Comic-Con this year. So the whole thing literally looks like he's packed with radiation. Super orange, translucent, hits the light, looks amazing. Wow. 38 points of articulation. Wow. Nice figure. Wow. Very nice figure. 
Nice. But uh, no, this year, so far. So far. I mean, it's early days. It's June. Dry white season. A lot of people have already listed their stuff. I think I sent you a preliminary list, and yeah. if we do this before Comic Con, I'll I'll run down the things. But as of right. this moment, it's a it's a really anemic field year for, for uh, exclusives. For exclusives, my I right. mean, a lot of them, but just nothing Hopefully that I think is particularly cool. Prototypes. We'll see. Yeah, you know, we'll see. Hmm. Um, yeah. So that toy wise, that goes. I just literally five minutes before you picked me up. I got this huge Hot Toys uh, suit-up gantry set from uh, Iron Man. Oh, okay. So you guys remember the scene in the first one where he has all those huge robotic arms that come down and yeah, yeah, put yeah. Together? So Hot Toys, they've made that. They actually fucking made that. Wow. What's the price point? I don't know. I actually was sent it. Wow. But the box is like ten pounds. Wow. And. Uh, all the arms move, and there's a base that sort of folds out and lights up and everything. Are this, by the way, is the same company? company. Hot Toys, are you familiar with that? Was, yeah. I'm asking the universe and you. You being, <laughs> you're the universe for me. I speak for the universe. I have heard of it. You have heard of Hot Toys. So are Hot they your favorite company? Oh, by far. I think I may have briefly mentioned that uh, this la- first go-around uh, yeah. about Hot Toys. But, you know, absolutely. Hot Toys has changed the 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 one six scale uh you know landscape right on, you know on, in one level right on another level uh all these property holders people like lucasfilm right people like warner brothers and you know subsets of that which i guess would be legendary pictures in that case it would be sure. for batman etc sure they're all saying we want hot toys product i mean they're actually going out and saying we want it wow we Where's want the you company to do that. based hong kong okay yeah Right, and so they're doing things like uh, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see this. Well, is your Facebook page public? It is. It's it set should to be public. Yeah. So you don't. And have if to be it isn't, it will be by the time you're watching. You this. don't have to be friends with Brian Brookhart to enjoy all the contenty goodness on his Facebook wall. Just but, look him up. Yeah, you'll see a in production sample. Well, it's I should say it's a prototype of an in development. One six scale bat, meaning that's the it's the flying vehicle in the, the the last Batman movie. So they're actually oh. building an in scale uh, flying contraption for that, the figure for the figures. Actually, it's it fits two figures, and it's called the bat. That is instead of like the bat wing or yes. the bat plane in this movie, I believe they just call it the bat. Interesting. Did you know that, Cohen? I did not. It is. What does an, Bane make of that? I don't know anymore now that they changed his fucking voice. You're kind of fucked now, right? Well, those podcasts where you would do that Bane (laughs) point one voice will now exist in a special time capsule to be opened. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Gotham's reckoning. Parenting interest. (laughs) Um, Cohen, are you going to Comic Con? Uh, Nah. Never? No. I went once. Once? I don't like like people. Well, that's a problem. (laughs) I'm I'm going to E3. I'm going to E3 on Thursday. Uh, video there, game, there video will be games. people. There. I know that, but that's just for like a day, and I'm actually interested. I don't. Is I don't that at the care. LA Convention Center downtown again? Yeah, yep. I don't. I don't care about the floor at Comic Con. I don't read comics that's anymore. All I care about. I don't read comics anymore. I don't buy um, American figures, so I never. You know what I mean? Right. It's just there's nothing for me there. I don't. I don't really party per se. So right. I don't bother to get a badge or anything. Yeah, yeah. Right. Eh, you're I'm better boring. off if you're not into it. Yeah, yeah it's not my thing. Please. Yeah, it's a big stress agent. How many days are you going down for, Ryan Brookhart? All four. With Wednesday, a fl- Thursday, with, Friday, Saturday. Um, Thursday, the Friday, here. Saturday, Sunday. I, I take a flask with me Okay, nice. because I also loathe people. Right on. But I find that with just enough vodka, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Plus my aching feet no longer. What's <laughs> that? A little behind the <laughs> Security bo- doesn't bother me. You know, when you're 6'4 and you've got a little vodka smell, like, ah, I'll leave him alone. You're going down Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah, I have an exhibitor badge. Sort of like yes. God mode in a video game. Yes. I won't stand those lines. No thank you. So when are you going down? Though? What, I go down days? Thursday. Thursday, you Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Thursday. I will, I'll go down Wednesday. Right. I'll go to the, um, the, the gay district and gay it up. Then <laughs> <And> on Thursday. <laughs> Full disclosure. Um, and then I will go down on Thursday. Our listeners will be so surprised. <laughs> and uh, you've been on the show before. We with our bathhouse origin story well intact. Yeah. Um. Then will you stay through Sunday? 
Uh, I will. I'll stay at some point. During, I don't, you know, the mass exodus generally happens midday on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be out of there. I'll take a quick run mm. just because you always feel collectors and fanboys will understand this. You know, if you're at a comic con, you always think you've got it. You might've missed that one thing. So I'll Absolutely. do that one flyby on Sunday morning. Right. And I'll you get the hell out before I do. Yeah. Well, I'll go to, is it Paul? Not Paul Walker's. Paul Walker is. The actor. An actor, not Paul Walker. Once upon a time. Something, <laughs> something Walker's uh, uh, Waffle House. Never done Which it. is the most phenomenal. Don't, I don't want to know. Yeah, you don't want to know. Um, I'll do that on Sunday morning. We, Mike Enriquez and I, always stay until the closing bell. Do you? On Sunday, yeah. I want to hear that sort of... Um, but you have a heliport out of there. I mean, you, you, you take a hovercraft out of the... No. So you drive take a snowspeeder, right? Um, but that is the moment that I always the moment that I always compare it to the the closing moment of Comic Con, which for the for the exhibit hall is mm-hmm. usually like four o'clock. It's either four or five o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I think it's four. And so they'll give you they start with the countdown like they do toward the close of every mm-hmm. day. There, you know, the uh, exhibit hall floor will be closing in an hour. So da, 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 da. But on Sunday, you know, it's like the what are we up to now i don't know 40 something Hmm. 45th annual san diego comic-con is now closed in the exhibit hall thanks everyone for another great and literally it's like that moment in empire strikes back where the first transport is away yeah everybody goes like this right and like puts a fist up in the air and yeah is so relieved that the show is now behind them we always stay for that beat and then take 15, 30 minutes to sort of gradually phase off the floor and then get the car and head back up the 15 and stop at, on Sunday, the Long John Silvers slash A&W combo that's about halfway between San Diego and Los Angeles. Oh, those hush puppies. Yep. I, I, I used to do it. And now every year I hear that, or I used to hear it, I'd say, well, that's one more year of my life gone. Well, that is true. And uh, I don't feel that way during Christmas or even my <laughs> birthday. Just Comic-Con? Well, it's just, you know, it's such a uh, it's such an event which I think brings out a lot of bizarre existential things. Yeah. As, you know, someone who is so steeped in comic and movie, toy, collectible culture and Childhood how that has nostalgia. become... Yeah, it's all all that totally. stuff, and and when you TV shows, and you're you're around it, and you, there's parts of it you really like, and there's a lot of it you 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 look at and say, is this a, well, this is holding up a very stark mirror to a lot of things that I, yeah. maybe I don't particularly care for. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of the the merchandising of it can seem so cool, and then you know, then then it seems really so garish. But yeah, it, every year it's a it, it's a little takes a little more of a hit on me. Right. Yeah. All my shit being said before, if someone wants to get me a badge, I'll totally go. <laughs> Goodbye. Maddagepodcast.com. Um, that's a good counterpoint to all that shit run? I just said. Uh, I'm, I'm staying with uh, someone with the initials the JP. Jason Pomerantz? Yeah, exactly. Strange you should mention. <laughs> he owes me money, so. <laughs> um, and how many Brojas are you taking down this year? How large is your entourage? Uh, this year, yep, I will have no entourage. You'll be uh, riding uh, dirty. Uh, there'll be there'll be a lot of people down there that I'll be seeing, right? But I'm not taking an entourage this year. Are you going to drive your car down? Mm-mm. No. How are you going to get there? I'm taking the train. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I did it one year before. I loved it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And why not Nick one Nick two? Uh. Nick Lanier always goes to Comic-Con. He hasn't for the last four years. Really? Actually, yeah. Who is Nick Lanier? Your partner. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. We're going to say, who the hell is Nick Lanier? Uh, this is podcasting. Yeah, Nick 2. Your recent friend. Yeah, recent friend. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Why not him? Um, he's an alcoholic. It's very true? embarrassing being around him. It's <laughs> good. It's not at all it's true. Story. He's No, no. He's going to listen to this. Right. Uh, no, no, he's just, he's very busy. He's and working on a short film and he's all that period of time. He's going to be busy. Joey? Well, he'll be there. He lives there. Right. Got so it. I'll be staying. 
just keep thinking of who I run into usually, who I run into with usually in that outer long lobby. Right. That, which is where you see everybody squatting or leaning up against walls surrounded by their oversized I take it back. I don't, you can keep your passes. Jack just reminded me of that fucking right? waiting. And, like, I remember there was a line once. The long lobby. I walked up to a kid at the end of the line. I was like, what are you guys waiting for? And he said, free T-shirts. Yep. They were waiting in line for like three hours for mm-hmm. a free Paramount yep. fucking T-shirt. Yep. I slept in my car. I don't like it. I don't like it. You right. slept in your car. Yeah, go ahead. It was only because like my friend was like, come on down, man. I got a room. And I got there, and there were like fucking 14 dudes in it, and three of them had furry shit. Ooh. As soon as I walked in, he was like, hey, man, you want to see some artwork I bought? And it was like a squirrel fucking a fox. Oops. I bought that. So I was like, I'm going to sleep <laughs> in my car in the Hyatt parking lot or wherever the fucking hotel is. And then hey, I'm, Colin, would you push that mixer? Yeah, on the third morning, I woke, I woke up to an overweight Captain Kirk and an overweight Miss Marvel having it out in the, uh, like outside their car. And I just fucking turned my keys in my ignition and drove home. I was like, enough, enough, <laughs> enough Comic-Con for me. So Don't forget the, the fart clouds. I don't know oh, about yeah. the fart clouds. Uh, have you encountered those? Seldom, but yeah, they're they're horrifying. It's more the flop sweat thing. <laughs> geek geek stuff. But that's re- that's the real yeah. Captain Kirk, though. Yeah. Right, yeah, geek geek stench, which always smells to me like um, sulfur and desperation and, and unwashed and failure, unwashed folds. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, I just got the unwashed folds. Just can't wait. Ooh, can't wait. Remember, look for Ryan. He's got the flask. Yeah, exactly. Laugh now, but... Um, did anyone see Snow White other than me? Yes. Other than this guy? No, so you, you two you take it, right? this one. I saw it. It's, it's fine, right? It's fine. It doesn't exactly... Beautiful Costumes by it, 28-time Academy Award winner Colleen Atwood. Colleen Atwood. I did see that in the credits, in the post-credits, and I think, yeah, that makes sense. Amazing Costumes by Colleen Atwood. It's just one of those movies that it doesn't really know what it wants to be, uh, but, one, but in a certain place it works. It's like a kitchen sink movie. Everything goes in there. Everything. Everything. Um, Everything goes in there. They certainly couldn't figure out, and I don't know how many ways they wrote it, they certainly couldn't figure out the pseudo romance thing between Snow White and the Huntsman. And the Huntsman, yeah. And that, sort of that kiss Solo-ish. comes late in the movie and yeah. we're obviously in spoiler territory here, but I think we know she doesn't die. Yeah. But I, I just thought, wow, I really I I they I don't know if, if they thought this out because yeah. she has two love interests, but well, neither one are really love interests. I think they're hoping for at least a trilogy. Oh really? Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean that last scene in the sort of, you know, throne room on uh the fourth moon of yavin i was gonna say pretty uh, and, and and you know i love the hobbits i mean ambiguous. the dwarves yeah exactly <laughs> i did actually think to myself that um it's interesting because to this point as of the recording of this which will be irrelevant in about six months but as of the re- as of this date of recording we've already seen the first teaser trailer for the hobbit part one yeah. Which is, most of which is full of a single dwarf song. Yeah, it's a very muted that, trailer. That guides you through that trailer. It's a great trailer. Yeah. And um, this movie has like three or four dwarf songs, which are all similar, similar in tone to the one that we heard in the Hobbit teaser trailer. Yeah. But this movie is actually out now. So when Peter Jackson shows up, Seven months from the date of this recording, seven months from opening weekend of Snow White and the Huntsman with The Hobbit Part 1 and however many dwarf songs he's got in his movie, right? it'll seem, I think, to the, to the mainstream multiplex audience that pays much, much, much less attention to all of this stuff than you and I would, it'll seem like, oh, you know, maybe Peter Jackson's Hobbit is knocking off Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, it's you in, know? it's entirely possible. Yeah. I mean we've I'm I know you have I've certainly had these conversations with people that have a, just a real cursory knowledge of this stuff. And why should they care otherwise? Well, that's a, a point that's made to me over and over again by one close friend of mine is like keeping movies into perspective or keeping movies in perspective in terms of what percentage of a life is comprised a life lived in Los Angeles is comprised or enjoyed with other people who 
have always loved movies, loved movies since they were a kid or a teenager, continue to really love movies, go out, you know, Bill Condon on Friday oh, yeah. nights, goes out, sees the new thing at the theater, walks by the poster cases, smells the popcorn. And uh, to say nothing of our recent experience with Twy Hard Nation, people who care deeply and passionately yeah. about movies. But then always remember, as I'm counseled by my friend, like how utterly meaningless movies are for how many millions of us and we don't care we might enjoy it on a flight well, or in a hotel room we may rent it we may take it down you know direct download from netflix we may never fucking watch it well you know what i would i probably i, I agree with a lot of that i would say that how how disposable movies are yeah not how meaningless yeah because obviously they are if not number one, number two export in this for this country. That's right. People gobble this stuff up, but they gobble it up, and they want something similar, more, yeah, different. Next, and you know, people like us, me, on a much minor note, because I, I work in the marketing end of these things. But right. from a certain angle, I still understand this. Right. You know, sort of. You know. Uh, academically that this is this is product yeah it really is product yep and Consumer you've got to sort product. of polish the potato chip and add a little spice to it and look it's 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 a vampire potato chip or it's a yeah. you know it's an elf potato chip, whatever something yeah but we're all aware that mm, okay they want more and they want it to be they want to consume it and yeah and then they want to go on with their lives and i have enough friends of mine that still live in the midwest and they don't call it you know Prometheus, they call it Alien Five, yeah, or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean that's yep. the way it is. Yep. You can always find somebody who cares deeply and passionately about any movie, past or present. Southland Tales, for ex for exactly. example, we've got them right here. Here we go. Yo, um, in the house. But what when it starts getting interesting in pop culture is when you have a movie that that does galvanize a large group of people who really are obsessed with it or care deeply and passionately about it. And you're steeped in that. I am, and but we're also in a season of Dark Knight, so mm -hmm. at the other end of the spectrum there is Dark Knight, you know? Now that's a church I attend. I mean, a Batman exactly. stuff is incredibly important to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't try to justify it or completely explain it. It's part of my DNA as a child Yeah, built into me. You know, I dig the hell out of Heath Ledger's Joker, yeah, you know, doesn't I? I love the kitsch value of the original series, Batman series, but right, I know what it is. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I can say I'm one of those guys. I, I'm completely. If there's a link to something on this movie, this current, you know, The Dark Knight Rises, I'll click it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in that. Are you sad that the Nolan Bale trilogy is drawing to a close? Not sad. I'm thrilled about seeing it come to its end and i want to see some other iteration are you glad there are and only I, going to be have been three of them yeah yeah i think so i mean yeah. I, I you like the idea of there being a nolan bale trilogy well you and know you not have I'll, and that not continuing indefinitely well full disclosure i hated the the uh, tim burton films all of both of them uh i well, let's put it this way. I hated the last two films that were that had really nothing to do with Tim Burton. Although I think he was a was producer. A Schumacher. Schumacher directed the last two. Burton yep. directed the first two. Correct. Um, love the production design For of who? the first film of of Tim Batman. Burton's original Tim Burton's, Batman yeah. by well, Anton First. Anton First, the right. the departed Anton First. Correct. Um, loved a lot of the production design for the second film. Loved Michelle Pfeiffer. Right. As you know, playing an interesting character, not the Catwoman that I would have had her play, and right. But no, I just thought Tim Burton had an enormous contempt for the character of Batman. That's you interesting. Know? I thought it was visually interesting, but you know, I could go piece by piece and break that down and say this is, you know, it's it is dark and it's serious in places, and you've got Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson as the Joker, you know, as the Joker, you mm -hmm. know, tw twice removed, right? Um, you know, you have. I don't know, Billy D. Williams there for some reason. I couldn't tell you why. Playing Lando Carvazian. Yeah, basically. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, in the second film, you have 
a, in my opinion, a completely indifferent director who is in love with the fact that he has, there are all these creatures and villains and things. And oh, there's this Batman character, right? In the second film, Batman Returns. You know, that had, and you know, by the end of that film, even Bruce Wayne has contempt within the film. He just rips his cowl off, you know. And right. It's like, come on. I mean, right. I, I don't know. It it bothered me immensely. Huh. So these three films, yeah, I thought this is a very specific take. Yep. Um, with a know, lot of its own integrity. Batman Begins, I think, is a good film. Good to mediocre movie. Right. Mediocre to good. Yeah, mediocre to good. Oh, thank right. you. Yeah. And now you're, uh, able to, I think, now you're able to go from good to great. Right. And then I think The Dark Knight is, I, I honestly, a compulsively watchable film. I right. think it's an amazing achievement. And right. not just because of Heath Ledger. Right. So I don't know where, where he'll take this third film. I mean, I can only imagine it has to be bombastic and right. epic. Two hours and 45 minutes, I've heard is it now. Is the, the running time? Two hours and 45 minutes is what Cohen. I'm hearing. Have you heard that? I I'm, yawning, I at the, I'm I yawning at the mention of it. Two hours and 45 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, don't most Nolan films clock in post 2.15? I mean, in general, I think. Wow. Yeah. Memento uh, Insomniac certainly did. I think all of them have been over two hours, except for maybe following. Wow. Insomniac was the director's cut of Insomnia, I think, right? Yeah, Excuse exactly. me, Insomniac. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Um, wow, 245, 245. Huh? But there again, I'll, I'll gobble that up. Yeah. You know, it'll be excessive and it'll be indulgent and, and you know. You'll be thrilled to be in that universe for almost three hours. Sure. One last time. Sure. Sure. Or 17 last times, however many times you step up to the box office. Yeah, I think I saw Dark Knight maybe three times in a theater, and I just don't do that anymore. Right. I mean, it's not like, you know, I remember very vividly going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. 45 minutes in, I excused myself. I walked out to the, the ticket counter, and yeah. I bought two tickets. Yeah. One for two more showings. I was that kind of kid. That I actually day. didn't just leave. Oh, yeah, I was like, uh, I'll be seeing this all day long. Wow. And I watched it three times. Wow. In one day. Raiders I don't of the think Lost I Ark. ever did that as a kid. I did that for Star Trek II. I did it for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. Certainly did that for uh, Empire Strikes Back. Phantom right. Menace is the only one I did. <laughs> did you really? Oh, my God. We did a midnight, then we did a two, then we did like a four. Yeah. Just to make sure what you saw yeah, was... And how were you feeling when you rolled out of that four? I was 14. I fucking loved it for the first week. I, lo I, I loved the first two movies until... I didn't have an adult perspective on the Star Wars prequels until Sith came out. Maybe a year before Sith, I started realizing that the first two were shittier. Right. But I was a fucking kid, so Sith was And how was did you feel I, about Sith? I, I saw it once. I'll never see it again. I actively fucking hated wow. it. I was like 18 living on my own. It was a different uh, mindset. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. First two came out, I was in uh, like eighth grade and tenth grade, respectively, or something. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. That's an interesting perspective on that. Huh. I need to get way, 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 way far away from Star Wars so that I can come back to it someday and see it with whatever the closest approximation I can get to fresh eyes is, you know? I bought that uh, Blu-ray box set, you know, when it... Yeah, when it came out, and uh, never opened it. No, I I did. Uh, what I find funny about the box set for me is I, I've dug through the special features, which I find somewhat interesting. Right. Although at this point, we really are kind of mining the very bottom oh, of the yeah. barrel. You yeah. know, um, I haven't watched the original trilogy That's once off that, where I have sort of examined the first three, you know, the new three. The, the prequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, just to, at this point, I haven't, I hadn't seen them in such a long time. And, right. you know, I, I came with a slightly better appreciation of Phantom Menace. Really? Just, you know, ever so slightly. Um, I saw it recently in the 3D re-release. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, just as another way to sort of get back into it. Mm -hmm. Ostensibly just to check out the 3D. Yeah. Oof. Not so good? It's just not. See, I, di I didn't even do that. But the third film, uh, I don't know. This, the, the the Revenge of the Sith to me is just so, so so wrong on so many levels. Really, to me, the the tone is weird. It's so, yeah. There's there's a lot of things I I really don't huh. like about it. I mean, How about that fat emperor face after he gets takes a few 
force lightning bolts to his face. I mean, I'll give you this. Suddenly he's looking all chubby and shit. Ian, is it McDermid? Ian McDermid. Uh, you know, I'll take the him. The second greatest Ian Mick Shakespeare I'll take actor. him any day of the week. And I yeah, love... I, I love, totally agree. He's in some other he's movie. He's the best actor in all six movies. Absolute. Wow. Yeah. I, I, he, he's just, to he's me, fucking he's, amazing. he's campy and funny. He sort of knows what's going on, yep. I think. Yep. And every time he's on the screen, I I love that. You know, I I love the sequence where he's like, you know, have I ever told you about what is it, Darth Plagueis or whatever? The, yeah, Darth Plagueis the Wise. I just love the way he's chewing those words and yeah. having leave us and all that stuff. It's something like, else in common with Ian McKellen as well. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. They both like satin sheets. Exactly, with a really, really, really <laughs> high thread count. <laughs> I mean, hey, I like a fucking high threat count. Don't go there. <laughs> Can I sit a little closer? <laughs> um, really? You didn't know that? Uh, no, I play, mean, you know, I'm all for play carefully. High, you know, for high play carefully. And, you don't think every single person listening knows exactly what you're talking about? No, really? Yeah, I thought other Ian. You can was, go. You can go there, Matt. They're both homosexuals. I thought everyone. Jeez, knew. I don't know. I, I don't know knew. Ian McDermott. I thought everyone knew Ian McKellen's open, right? He's, yeah, isn't he out? So Ian McKellen is openly gay. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess fucking Palpatine is too now. Well, this will be. The, I don't know, Matt. <laughs> this will be the second time I invoke Nick too. Nick Fink, right? Uh, he he uh, Ian McKellen's name came up, and I mean, again, this this sort of and it goes to what we're talking about. You know, this is going to speak well of Nick of listener Nick Fink or not well. Either or, I, I don't think. And I don't think it's going to be. know once you finish your sentence. Yeah, he said, "Gandalf is gay." No, he and that was sort that, of like, huh? really? You missed and he's that? Twenty-one. Yeah. Yep. Just completely off his radar. But then I thought, well, why would he know, and why would he care? Really, it's kind of great. You know, that's really, and you know, then once the information is sort of locked in, he goes, "Oh," and it doesn't really matter. So, what's yeah. for dinner? Yep. How about oh. this gang? I, I don't think Gandalf's the only gay member of the Fellowship. Chew on that, listeners. Leave it like a blind item. <laughs> I know one of the hobbits loves him some absinthe and become very friendly after the fact. Absinthe. Mm-hmm. And you've oh, you've become very friendly with no, no. I've noted. I've noted they can become very friendly on oh, that's said beverage. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. A prominent How hobbit. Members in the Fellowship are there. In total? All right, let's do this. Uh, Frodo, Sam, Merry, Pippin, Boromir, Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, Gandalf. Uh, nine? Nine members? Yeah. Interesting. I'll believe that. I don't know. Well, uh, <laughs> Professor Kinsey's thing is one in ten. So that would be a little extra if there is a second one past Ian McKellen. Yeah. If there's two and nine... But aren't there a lot of but then again, they're Gandalf all actors. Yeah, and also technically Gandalf isn't really a member of the fellowship. He kind of guides them so the two and ten could work. Right. Hmm. Right. Interesting. But yes, I think there are many reasons for those juicy line <laughs> readings by Chancellor Palpatine <laughs> slash Emperor Palpatine slash Darth Sidious over the course of the five out of the six Star Wars movies that that character appears in, because remember, at present, there is no Emperor in Episode Four: A New Hope, although I expect that will be remedied by Mr. Lucas at some point within our lifetime. He's only mentioned in Episode Four. Yeah. But he so, is mentioned. He is mentioned, but never yeah. seen. Yeah. And that can't be, because basically, as we understand the six-movie cycle now, after George initially took us through the... the end of the 70s and the 80s by saying that yes he did envision at first a total of nine movies right then that turned into six and the only two characters that would be in common through all six so-called episodes would be the two droids c-3po and r2d2 right then when he actually got around to conceiving episodes one through three it became obvious that really the six episode cycle if you were if you would ring cycle um, is the is the story of the relationship between Anakin Skywalker and Palpatine? I think. Yeah, it would be amazing if George still claims that it's R two D two and C three PO story. Yeah, Richard Kelly style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's possible. I've just never really bought 
that he really thought any of this out, really. Yeah. I really don't. Yep. I mean, even the sister thing, the, you know, I mean, there's not, that's pretty much known now. That yeah. That was sort of a Hail Mary last minute. Right. How the hell are we going to get motivation for Luke to come out under the stairwell? Right. Oh, make it his sister. Right. I mean, stuff like that. And then you have people that are really, really steeped in this lore and mythology and saying, well, this is why it's this way. And like, he's making this stuff up, dude. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Which is perfectly that, legitimate. If you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, Ron Moore, Ron Moore's Battlestar, or J.J. Abrams and David Damon Lindelof's Lost, you know, it's episodic. Mm-hmm. It's right there. The first thing you... Yeah. The second thing you see after the the yellow Star Wars logo is the word episode. I think you see a registered trademark if you look really closely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but who's to say, you know, it's right. it's it's Saturday morning serials, so yeah. of course he's making it up and making connections down the road that weren't there in his initial conception, you know? I think it's his insistence that he wasn't, though, is what's so fucking annoying about him. Yeah, maybe. If he could have just copped to it, we would all have been like, awesome, good, we yeah. like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I really second that. And I think that, that it, it's that, it, with this whole sort of weird arrogance and disdain for fanboy culture and at the same right. time embracing it. And I don't know, you know, when I hear bitter old George Lucas saying how he's giving up and doing, I'm like, well, then just do it. You yeah. know, or, or, you know, or Take I mean, another fucking 20 years to make red tails, buddy. Like, no, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or just cop to the fact that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you did sort of pull some of this out of your ass and yeah, maybe you do live in a vacuum and maybe Rick McCallum really is more or less just a yes man or, Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah. I don't know. You know, who knows? I don't want to know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it is what it is. Obviously in, in my house, if you go to my bedroom, there's, this massive old Star Wars mural that takes up an entire wall right. and all that stuff is, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a strange way, it is both literal and metaphoric wallpaper in my life. Right. Um, and about as deep. Yeah. It's pretty. You've kind of moved on from it, right? Very much so. I mean, there was a period in time, I would say, within the last 10 years when I still really kept a hand. I was going to mm-hmm. the force.net every day online yeah rebelscum.com every day online but i've really retired myself from that you know but you know i realized too and and maybe it's our age i for me at some point there really was a huge cutoff yeah and everything sort of stepped up and i think of you know i was a i was a little star wars boy geek with Star Wars, and I don't, I don't know where, where does where does Raiders fall into that whole thing? Is it was it be right before or right after uh, Empire Strikes Back? It was right after. It was right after. Yeah, yeah. So then, because Empire Strikes Back is nineteen releases, not production, but it releases in nineteen eighty, I think, and Raiders releases in nineteen eighty one. Eighty one. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, for me, like, you know, I'm a star I tell people this all the time. I'm a Star Wars fan because of Empire Strikes Back. Right. Full stop. Right. And but everything changed for me when I saw Raiders. Right. Because it was really different and the same and yeah. it seemed like it occupied the same sort of fantasy universe, but it was yep. more grounded in reality and I was just all over that. Yeah. And that opened up bigger other doors. Strange that it was Raiders, but that is interesting. Yeah. I remember getting the first piece of literature which was some color, maybe there was color, maybe it was just sort of black and white, but from the official Star Wars fan club. Hmm. Getting like the first little mailer that they'd sent out to fan club members concerning this currently in production collaboration between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. And looking at maybe, you know, a f- the first still of the flying wing under construction or right. something like that and not really being able to wrap my head at all around what this was or what it related or connected to in any way. But I went pretty quickly after opening and I liked it for the most part. I was really about the candy and the fireworks at the end. Yeah. You know, a, about opening up the ark of the ark of the lost covenant and what actually is inside, right? And does it possess any powers? And what are those? Well, let's see what those power powers actually do. Let's not keep that conversation abstract, but let's actually see what 
Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and all the guys at Industrial Light and Magic can actually execute when the Ark of the Covenant is opened up. And that, to me, is, for me, the most interesting aspect of Indiana Jones is the pursuit of sort of um, of religious religious artifacts that are thought to have great power, which, by the way, could conceivably exist in our world today. Oh, yeah. That's always been my favorite subgenre of all time, pretty much. And unfortunately, I can't think of too many examples other than like fucking Da Vinci Code and National Treasure. Right. But even like, I don't know if you've ever read any of the Clive Cussler, Dirk Pitt novels or Sahara, that Sahara. movie that was based on that. Right. And I think it all came from indie. So I was always more of an indie kid than I was even a Star Wars kid. Interesting. Uh, that, I, that, that was me too. I mean, I really, after I, I Empire, was a, I was an indie kid all the way. I'm a history geek and I'm a supernatural yeah. geek. So any blending of the two is... I, I, I well, read, let me throw this you know at I mean? both of you guys. I was just going to say, though, to what you're saying. It was just—it's so funny that like what, everything you're just saying about how they you know, opened up the ark. It's—it was a MacGuffin that actually delivered. Yes. How funny is that? And that's but so rare. The and they do that thing. in every one of the films. He, they drink the fucking Grail. We but yeah. immediately, immediately, even after the worldwide cultural, critical, and commercial success of that first. Indiana Jones Adventure, Raiders of the Lost Ark, they go into production on a sequel, and already it becomes apparent that the, gen- that the gentlemen who made and are at least largely responsible for the success of the first installment of launching this new franchise don't fully get exactly what the power is because... because they have Indy going after the Sankara stones. I don't like Temple of Doom. Which are like, who, who gives a fuck? I don't, I don't, I really don't like, I mean, I watch it because it's an mm. Indy I flick, like but. Temple of Doom f- f- for its own pleasures, and I think if that came out this summer, I've no doubt, oh, this yeah. is my tiresome cliche that anyone in my life has heard for the last mm. 10 years, if Temple of Doom, which much maligned at the time and considered yeah. a disappointment on many levels, came out this summer, it would be kind of the best movie of the fucking summer. Yeah. But still, it's like, you can't, the problem with, to me with Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull is it's like, I'm sorry, but if it's not something that I learned about as a kid in Sunday school or what have you, right? if it's not the Garden of Eden, and there aren't that many of them, and I understand Lucas and Spielberg's redis, you know, resistance <laughs> yeah. to that because of that, but if it's not the spear of destiny, which is the alleged the spear that allegedly pierced and Hellboy used that Christ's side spear of longinus yeah, yeah. on the cross. If it's not the actual cross yeah. that Christ hung on, if it's not Noah's Ark, if it's not the Garden of Eden, if it's not um they did the Holy Grail. The Technicolor Dream. They did dream the Ark code. of the Covenant. Yeah, if it's not the Technicolor Dream amazing Technicolor Dream coat. But it's like, I'm sorry, Sankara stones don't cut it, and neither right. do crystal skulls. There's two it rules. It doesn't it's, cut it's it. It's pretty easy. You could even just look at it like this, Nazis and Bible stuff. That's what makes a good yeah. movie, flat out. Yeah. You take away Nazis, it's not a good, it's communists yeah. were fucking horrible bad guys. Yeah. The thuggy were innocuous, random bad guys. Yep. And, and uh, give us something from fucking biblical. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say... Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I I do think you're right. They 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 didn't quite figure out what was so powerful and compelling about yeah. Raiders in that sense. But you know, they cast Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, and yeah. and you have me even at the unbelievably subpar Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yep, seeing that old dude put on that hat. Yep, and maybe at least thirty percent of that movie, I can go, oh, it is Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, I can get, I I can even endure I know, that tough. film with those a few moments here they're going, Thank God, okay, it's, he's still there. Yeah. So they even though I, I think by that point they've they've still yeah. lost their way. Yeah. You know. We we don't want Shia LaBeouf Swinging on vines, I don't. We and we don't. And we don't want to see Marion just. Smiling I don't want Shia LaBeouf getting cast in a fucking movie again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't either. I don't. I, knew, I, I don't, don't think just, we have to worry about that either. Though. <laughs> for not for that long. There's always another Transformers installment. He's not, not in it for him. No, he's not in it. They already so, announced so. he's not a part of it. Yeah. They wow. they sort of made it really. Uh, it was sort of strange how they made that announcement. It's going to be a new cast. Well, what about well, Shia? He's before, not in it. Was this before or after Shia sort of? took shits on the last installment 
in front of live microphones Way as after. is his want. This is fairly recent, I suppose, this within the last year. Or, uh, oh, well, I thought the announcement about T4 was in the last like month or two, actually. Well, a few months. Yeah, yeah a few months, yeah, it's been. T4, by which you mean Terminator 4, I'm sure, yeah, Matt Cohen. <laughs> T4 3D. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Battle across time. Yeah. Battle across journey before the center of time. Transformers 3D was, I think, the third movie I've actually walked out on in my life. Really? Yeah. I only saw the first, first one. What were the first two, Transformers and Transformers 2? Transformers 2, <laughs> I, I, I remember going with a, a large group of friends yeah. at the Cinerama Dome. Drunk. Oh God! I wish, I wish. I, <laughs> I, I literally, it was. I, I knew at that point when I saw people cheering. I said, "Well, okay. Well, I, I, I've certainly crossed a line. I'm now in another reality." Yeah. Because I don't know what they're cheering at. Yeah. It was like the first time I ever went into a, a bar and everyone was dancing and having fun. I thought, I suppose I'm. This is where I'm supposed to be enjoying myself, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I guess I have to find the exact right permutation to make this work. Yeah. But with Transformers. With that whole, the first one, I understood it. We yeah, wanted to see too. trucks turn into robots and robots turn into trucks. Robots, yeah. Uh, we uh, they weren't. They were aliens turning into trucks. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I got gotcha. you. Boom! Movie sucks. Uh, and uh, you know, and Shia LaBeouf was sort of an unknown quantity in a sense. He was sort of like he looks, you know, goofy kid. But you obviously whatever. weren't an even Steven fan. I was not. He had a sitcom on the Disney Channel when he was a kid. About Battle of Shaker Heights. Was he in that too? The Project Greenlight movie. Oh, shit, you're right. Disturbia was was before Transformers, is that right? After. After. It was after? Really? Yes. As was Eagle Eye. Oh, yeah, Eagle Eye. But anyway, yeah, I I, I saw it. I'm like, okay, it's not really for me. It's definitely Michael Bade out. Right. But uh, at least there was a tiny little bit of restraint there. Right. But my God, no, I... Those are movies, all that stuff. Um, Battleship, which I guess is kind of an heir apparent to that. on the high seas. Yeah. Except a big failure financially. Correct. Um, I, I suppose there is a whole subgenre that, that fits all that. Hypercuts, constant camera yeah. movement, yeah. bass sort of thing. I just, none of it, none of it resonates to me. I don't understand it. And I know that's partially just my generation. Yeah, because that was the number two... Uh, grossing movie of last year. Wow! Transformers three, behind Harry Potter, right? Behind the Harry Potter finale. I didn't see either of them. So it's just interesting. And there are a lot of producers making money off of Transformers and doing their thing, and that's good for them. Lots, lots, and lots of people making money off Transformers. Lots of them. Lots of people. Yeah. Lots. Lots lots of of cooks in and out of the kitchen. Lots and lots of. Lots of opsa. <laughs> um, what else is there? As I pull some sort of worm out of my cheek, you mean from the uh, from the the world of fandom and all that stuff? Just the world of everything, Matt Cohen. What are you doing over there? He's playing. Uh, he's playing Angry Birds Tetris. Space. Space. I can see out of the periphery yeah. of my eye. Going where no man has gone before. Hilarious. Oh, it's it's uh, no. I've been obsessed with this uh, Luke Luca M- Mote. Well, let me see if I can pronounce the name correctly. Yeah, you want to talk about this? Luca Magnota. I heard about that. Luca yeah. Magnota, who is a, um, he gained some some level of notoriety a couple of years ago for, this is obviously going to some fairly dark territory. Yeah, here, folks, he, we're, we're going to, um, well, here's what you need to know. Here's a, here's a simple, easy to understand user's guide to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Everyone fits into four categories. One of four <laughs> categories: narcissist, super narcissist, sociopath, psychopath. Right. When we pick up the tale of young Luca, Luca Magnota, he is somewhere between stage three and four. Yeah, he's post sociopath. And on his way to full-blown bells and whistles psychopathy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's drowning kittens. How's he killing kittens? But, you know, it's funny saying that. It's, it's amazing. There's enough of, a, of, a, of an online trajectory of this guy uh-huh. that you can piece together in, in fairly good chronological order. Right. Some 
pretty, slight, vaguely prissy, gay young man. Right. Who, uh, and I'm trying to put this in some kind of order. Right. I'm just trying to decide. Lives in Canada. I'm trying to decide whether or not prissy is going to be the episode title. Prissy. (laughs) So I can speak this way throughout the rest of (laughs) it. Please do. Take your mask off, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 33, Prissy Based on Push, a novel by Sapphire. (laughs) (laughs) Fifty Shades of Pink. Exactly. That's right. There you go. Suddenly you have all sorts of people. Yeah. Tuning in. Uh, He, uh, you know, he, uh, he wants to be a model. He was probably told he was pretty. Mm-hmm. He found a lot of his, you know, currency in the fact that he was being noticed for being a pretty boy. Right. Obsessed with James Dean, huh. actually pulls together some money and has his face worked on. Wow. Yeah. So, so he can look more like James Dean. Wow. Uh, at some point, becomes a male escort uh-huh. slash hustler in, up in, I think, Ottawa. I forget what part of Canada. Okay. Ottawa. Uh, then, uh, does some, you know, very low grade modeling. Okay. Uh, there is some debate as to whether or not he actually did professional gay porn or not. Okay. Uh, none of this stuff is really giving him the, the notoriety he needs. Right. But at this point he's beginning to realize that, you know, you can create a persona online. Right, you know, he's emblematic of of a certain thing. I believe this is where I was, the MySpace I was going generation. in my head. The MySpace, Facebook, Friendster, Friendster, you know, generation. Follow me on Twitter, please. Generation Friendster. Yeah, exactly. And you know, he's posting. Please do follow me on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Please, <laughs> so I don't murder kittens. And exactly. At, at some point, he he uh, he uh, he videotapes himself. Um, stuffing little kittens believe me i think this is horrible into a plastic bag sealing the bag using a, a vacuum cleaner to suck out the oxygen and videotapes wow. these kittens suffocating to death okay horrible horrible stuff PETA, right. obviously very quickly among other animal rights groups become be interested for the ethical in this. treatment of animals yes thank river you river phoenix's favorite charity and uh you know they're looking for him and I, I don't think he was ever caught. I know at some point he went to some authorities and uh, claimed that he his life was being ruined because of these erroneous and false charges that he was doing these things. Okay. But of course, he was doing them. Right. At some point, he uh, moves to England and uh, you know is doing more funny stuff. Nothing that we think of is you know really terrible. I mean, he's being kicked out of. Flats here and there. I think okay. he, at some point, he stole up to like $17,000 worth of money from some woman grifting her of some, in some capacity. Okay. Anyway, what happens is if, a few weeks ago, he, uh, he's, tar- he's sort of cornered by uh, The Sun in England. And, the Sun uh, newspaper. The Sun newspaper, newspaper, yeah, where they, uh, they, they, he goes to them. And once again, he's complaining about you know erroneous and false charges being thrown at him, and right. he wants this known that this isn't true. And then, not too long after that, he sends a letter to a reporter he had spoken to at the Sun, at the Sun, uh, claiming that uh, the next time it's not going to be kitties that he kills, or however you put it, it will be a human, right? Uh, and how attractive and interested he is in this reporter and and goes into lurid detail about what he wants to do to this reporter and by i say lurid detail i mean killing him and doing all sorts of necrophilic having sex type with things with something him. right but then things get really interesting because a video shows up with i believe the title one ice pick one lunatic right which is an almost 11 minute video um and it is like two fixed camera angles and at one point handheld where he uh we see him we see a person on a bed writhing tied up right nude right a blacked coated figure dressed all in black get on top of this person do something to the guy's neck then the guy is lifeless and then he comes into frame and then uses an ice pick to repeatedly stab this nude now lifeless body right at some point, the camera then is not fixed, and we see that the head has been partially severed from the body. Okay. 
uh, then there is decapitation and right. removing the arms or whatever, and then necrophilia, wow. et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Obviously, this is absolutely horrible. All the classic hits. All the classic hits. Body parts are mailed to various people. Right. And then he's, he's gone, taunting the authorities, saying he'll never be caught. All right. this, what else? Um, he was arrested today. So this is June 4th, 2012. Right. And he was picked up in Berlin at a cyber cafe where he was looking over reports about himself. Of course he was. And uh, he was quite happy about that. Wow. All the time, uh, I think he had like five or six Facebook pages. We believe that probably most of those were ones he set up for himself. Wow. Um, a website showing his modeling. Wow. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am utterly fascinated and repulsed by all this stuff. So, wow. But I always have been, as you know. Canadian psycho. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Crazy stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Where do you take that? I mean, I think it's very... Uh, the talented mister. <laughs> there is a, There is an element of that. Yeah. You know? Huh. And if you, if you do just a little research, you can find videos of him being interviewed for... I think there's a Canadian... There's a Canadian, like, public access channel where he's being interviewed. Right. Uh, about being a... a you know, a male escort and wow. various things. And you just watch it. And uh, it's weird stuff. Huh. Interesting. Can't take my eyes off it. Huh. Look into the abyss. Yeah. And I keep thinking, Sometimes gosh, this would make it, looking this back. would make a great book. Or and movie I, or, you know, and how horrible M-O-W. it is. And I'm thinking that, but you know, yeah. well, it will be. Yeah. Yeah. Ten and if I was ago, the only one thinking that, film. I'd go for it. But I know that there, there, there's something just too juicy and too well. I assure too you, right now, about there's this. a race. A race is on. Oh, absolutely, for sure. You know, and the fact it's ended this way with him not really putting up a a fight. This is all very orchestrated, very constructed. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, you know, huh. hiding in plain sight. Oh, a couple times, I guess he snuck Not unlike the barefoot bandit. He snuck into to, to France, I think. Uh, he had a big obsession with the Eiffel Tower, dressed as a woman. Huh. So that's another element to the story. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So there you are. From toys to psycho killers. To psychopaths, yeah. And Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> we covered it all. Where we all meet. How are we doing, Cohen? 55 minutes in, sir. Really? Yeah. Hmm. What time do we have? <laughs> Five o'clock. I'm having a bite of my cookie dough. Yeah. Mm. Cohen, anything else in your universe? Not a thing. Either, yeah, I'm sort either. of starved for content. Went to the MTV Movie Awards last night. It was fun. Oh, just drop that. one. Yeah. So how is Russell Brand? Um, fine in the room. Fine in the room. Seemed good in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Charlie Sheen, good in the room. Looked haggard on TV. Did he? Yeah. Well, you know. But from a distance. Number one, from a distance. chicken, but number two, years of drugs drugs and alcohol will do that to your face, won't it? Yeah. Um, the Twilight cast looked beautiful on stage. Yes. I agree. I thought Taylor Lautner looked really good. Yeah. Little, little dropped a bit of weight. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, with him, it would be muscle weight or whatever, but he's, he's looking okay, I think. Yeah. Um, Michael's Fastbinder, not not a big guy. That's one. That's a great revelation. Not height wise. That's what I mean. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought the interesting thing about that, he and Charlize Theron are introduced as obviously appropriately the co-stars of Prometheus. Yeah. Despite the fact that she's just played the white, the uh, evil the queen, evil or queen. whatever, and Snow White and the Huntsman this past weekend as well. So she's having a bit of a moment at the multiplex, but. Mm. They come out and they've obviously got this shtick that they've worked out between each between each other where she's going to sort of mock, kick his ass, but then he really sort of goes for it and yeah. like doesn't get up. Yeah, and I haven't seen it uh, uh, how it played, but it was just like, okay, so you're not going to be in this sketch, right? Are you just going to crawl around on the on all fours and? act as if you were just laid out by Charlize Theron and you're never going to, your face isn't going to be up next to hers again. 
with a microphone between you. It just seemed weird to me. You it, know? it is weird, but you know, it's it was probably one of the few moments because I, I say, as you know, I watched a good portion yeah. of it. It was one of the few moments that actually really plays well on TV. Really, because you know, there's all that you know faux banter that yeah. really doesn't work in any award show here right. where it's supposed to be really fast and loose and hip. Right, it works even worse. Yeah, you know, I think you'd agree. So this, it's like. He's like, well, you know what? Let's just take it all the way. And I thought in that sense, he, they understood the tone of that show better than I think almost any other presenter did. That's interesting. He just like, okay, yeah, let's play this out. Right. So I, 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 I get it. Huh. I thought it worked really well. Interesting. You know? And the camera didn't know what to do. That's what's funny about it. Yeah. The camera's sort of like, well, uh, he's, mm, he's down. Yeah. Let's go back to her. And you're seeing, the, yeah. you know, probably the director... You know, in the booth is going, oh, fuck, uh, just, uh, yeah. you know, get to her. I don't know. I don't think there were any real headlines coming out of that show. No. There was nothing. Charlize Theron and Kristen Stewart did not kiss. Oh, was that? Uh... I think there was people, there were people hopeful about that. <laughs> the two of them having co-starred in Snow White. There was, and Rob Pattinson not attending to. Uh, yeah, why, where, where was he? He's, I think, he was maybe in LA for five minutes, but he's. In Toronto today for the for a Cosmopolis premiere, his new Cronenberg movie that he's leading. Were you it's not a aware Cronenberg of that movie? film? Yeah, there's a new Cronenberg movie called Cosmopolis, and Rob Pattinson is the lead. You are not aware? Uh, no, and I of course I'm a huge Cronenberg fan, so yeah. I'm really check out the trailer. There's a giant rat. Color me surprised. Walking through the city, right? Um, just just watch Naked Lunch again, again, yeah. What a great, 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 great film. I only ever saw that once in New yeah. York City. I should see it again. Yeah. That's one of those movies you watch and you go, wow, this is this would literally fall apart in anyone else's hands. Huh. I really believe that. Interesting. And he just makes it work. And Peter Weller. Right. Right. Great stuff. Yeah. Dear Robocop. Yep. And Ryan Brookhart, you tonight are going to um, so tonight Taylor going White to and the, Creature um, Features. The great Taylor White is hosting uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture, uh, three DVD, three CD, uh, unreleased music right. collection from Star Trek the Motion Picture. They're right. going to have a, a demonstration of the blaster beam, right? which is a, a device that was used by Jerry Goldsmith to create some really iconic parts of the soundtrack. They're going to have right. a panel discussion. There's a rumor that Doug Trumbull may show up. He's right. like one of my absolute heroes. Right guy that did special effects, effects for 2001 right he created show scan which was way before its time right uh close do we encounters. know if this is in the cinerama dome or i is hope it it's not arc lighthouse probably, probably an arc lighthouse i would imagine and then afterwards they're going to show uh star trek the motion picture the director's cut yeah it's off a dvd off of a dvd source so we'll see yeah. how long i stay for that yeah but uh, um yeah what time do you need to be there seven uh, it starts at seven thirty. I'll get there around seven. And who are you bringing with you to that? Uh, a, That's a, young, a, true test. a young gentleman named Max Mueller, who is the protege to uh, David Newman. Right. Okay. Yeah. And David has he already seen the movie? Uh, he's never seen it. I don't. I don't think he's ever seen it. Right. And David Newman, by the way, I think is on the panel. Okay. So I'm going to meet David. Max nice. is going to show me. Ma Max. Uh, has actually given me some sheet music from Jerry Goldsmith. Oh wow! I have framed in my house. So because wow. I'm a, I'm a, a the other thing I, I am is a big uh, soundtrack collector. I'm right, a huge fan of Jerry Goldsmith. The great David Newman score. Hmm. Hoffa. For Danny I, I will bring that up. Favorite scores of all time because it is a great score. Great score. Amazing yeah. score. Yeah, it really makes the he movie. Knocked that out of the park. Kind of makes the movie, doesn't it? Totally. It, it connects us. It binds the movie together. Like cheese. Yeah. It's amazing. That is a great score. <laughs> it is a great score. And uh, actually, I think of that score when I think of the movie. Yeah. Which is... Because they tells started using it right from the first trailer. He had mm. clearly finished it mm. and recorded it. And right. so the trailer music, if you uh, look up the trailer for Hoffa on YouTube, right, right there you'll hear you'll hear uh, a special suite of those themes that he actually composed for the uh, for the trailer. So if you get the CD, right. the soundtrack CD, which is hard to find now, 
You can find it on eBay and stuff. But you'll is it Verisaraban or is it? Uh, huh? Do you know if it's Ver- Verez? Yeah, Verez. Oh, sorry, um, Verez Saraban. There's actually a cue on that soundtrack that's just trailer music. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was his own. That was its own animal. I will be looking so, that up. Yeah. And I guess that's it. That's the state of the nation for another week out here in Los Angeles. How's your game going, Matt Cohen? We're getting there. All right. Um, episode thirty-three. It's a wrap, Ryan Brookhart. It was lovely. Not on Twitter, but with a public Facebook page. Go check all of it. Check out all of his toy and action figure. In just a few days, there'll be a huge review for uh, for the Mark Five or Mark Six with the huge gantry suit thing. This is not going to be out for a toys. while, so it's going right. to be pretty amazing to see with photographs. Lots of photographs. I'll take lots of photographs. Photo stuffed review and my Jake Sully action figure from Avatar. Uh, yeah, eighteen inches with a light up Pandoran base. Well, wow. pretty amazing stuff. Nobody needs 18 inches of Jake Sully. I do. <laughs> I'm a lonely man, Jack. <laughs> Matt Cohen, nothing else for you? Not a thing, sir. Thank you. We've already done all the boilerplate, Twitter, Facebook, this, that, the other thing. Thanks to uh, a special shout-out to all the Team Jack ladies on the Twitter team who uh, kept the voting going all the way an hour into the show last night. And um, to all the Twihards around the world who... Voted uh, Best Picture to the fourth installment of the Twilight Saga. One more year to go, and then it'll be a clean sweep. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Um, we have to get this theme music thing sorted out, Matt Cohen. I'm going crazy with this. We're working on it. Play the whole fucking thing. I did. I did last week. Okay. Bullshit. Fucking, we'll talk after the show. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk. All right. Out. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.